Hello and welcome. Welcome to the Salted Anchor. Welcome into my home. My name is Cami Smith. The Salted Anchor, because we are called to be salt and light, and we are rooted and anchored in Christ. We named our home the Salted Anchor because of how it came about. You can hear that story on my very first podcast, because that story is pretty amazing. And that is how this podcast actually was birthed. I love talking. And I thought, what better way to share than to talk? I also love learning. I love when God speaks to me and all the different ways that he does. Some of the ways that he speaks to me are really comical and I even find myself going, really, Lord, you are crazy. God, you're amazing. This is fantastic. My husband bought me a hibiscus plant. I'm trying to think probably maybe about nine months ago, close to a year, somewhere in there because hibiscus flowers are my favorite. When the kids were little, we were walking by us to the swimming pool. Zion, my youngest, might have been like three. And he said, Mama, look, there's some hot biscuits for you. So it cracks me up what little kids will say. And I said, oh my goodness, I just love hot biscuits. And it's kind of stuck. So when I was at the store, we were at, I think Lowe's or Home Depot, one of them, and I saw the hot biscuits plant, I just had to have one. I needed it for our new home. I needed something green and alive, and I wanted something else to to tend to, to take care of. After all, most of the kids are doing everything, and they're pretty self-sufficient, so my job is kind of easy these days. Kind of, not always. I say that with a smile on my face because parenthood is nothing that can ever prepare you for it. Nothing can ever give you enough for it unless you just surrender it all and just, Jesus, take the wheel because you love them more than I ever could. And when you put that mindset on with your children, you can't go wrong. When you let Christ in the home to lead you first, you can't go wrong. So I get my hot biscuits plant and I'm tending to it for weeks at a time. And I'm loving this plant. It's so green and alive and it's beautiful. And the flowers, I can see them. They're about ready to bloom, but they are not blooming. And this is weird to me because I've had a hibiscus plant before it was beautiful when I got it it was almost dying and I but between my husband and I we pruned it back and we dug through some of the weeds and we got it thriving and it would bloom out these big beautiful yellow flowers we had to keep it outside because the ants really liked it and some of the insects really liked it and it wasn't a great house plant for where we were so we kept it outside and the yellow plant We had a Kansas City drop of the weather and it died because it got frostbit. 
So I get this new plant. The flowers are supposed to be a coral, almost a red coral, orangey pink flower. And I was so excited because I saw them in bloom, but I got the one that wasn't quite in bloom yet because I wanted it to get home and have it bloom with the family. But the problem was it never bloomed. The flowers never opened up and I couldn't understand it. I would water it. I would check the roots. I would check the water. I would check to see if I was overwatering it. I would put it next to the sun. I would put it in the sun. Nothing I did was helping. Then I noticed there was a white powdery substance and I started Googling what this could be and it ended up being a parasite. This bug called white flies, they lay their eggs underneath the plant. And when you bang the plant around, it's almost like dust and it's all these little bugs flying in the air. And then they'll go right back to the plant under the leaf and they hide. They cause a lot of damage to the plant. They eat all of the leaves and it causes them not to thrive. So I did what Google told me to do. I sprayed it down. I put what I needed to put on there to keep it from the bugs to, I wanted to kill the bugs off. I sprayed it down. I put this in and I try that. I did this remedy. I did that remedy and nothing was working. So I started to prune it back. Hibiscus don't like to be pruned. And it made me kind of giggle to myself thinking, this hibiscus is more like humans than I ever thought it could be. Because we humans really do not like to be pruned back either. So I kept pruning it back. I sat with this plant and I carefully, gently massage the leaves to get these bugs off to make sure the eggs were off i pruned it each of those leaves that were too much and i picked them off one by one and i went through this each petal checking each leaf checking each one picking off the ones that were too far gone if there was just a few little dots of white i was able to get it off and keep it moving and i thought that was going to help I got up in the root system in the roots and I dug through the roots and I made sure I spread the roots out so it wouldn't get rotten in the roots. I moved the dirt around. I did everything I thought I could do. It still wasn't thriving. It was actually dying. The more that I cared for this thing, the more it was dying right in front of me. And the more I was feeling so sad, I couldn't take care of a plant. And here they say, buy a plant first, then an animal, then you're ready to be a parent. Well, I did it all backwards. I had a child, got married, had the children, then get the dog, the dog dies, then get the plant, now the plant's dying. What did I do so backwards to make everything die so backwards? So I began to prune back some of the sticks and the stems that were starting to really die. It, they, they were no longer green and thriving. There was no leaves left on them. So I would prune them back and I would cut them off. And pretty soon it was just this ugly bunch of sticks. 
some were green and I was hopeful that it was going to start blooming up again. The leaves would come back. Nope. The sticks. Only sticks. The more I pruned it back, the more it just died. It did not want to come back. Those green stems that were once green are now looking like dried up sticks in the yard. So I ended up breaking those off as well, trimming them back, and I'm left with soil. I couldn't bring my heart to just getting rid of the plant because I had watched it go from this beautiful creation wither away to nothing. So I just left it alone. I came outside not too long ago, a couple of days, maybe a week ago, and I started to see little tiny green sprouts coming up out of this plant. This plant I haven't messed with because there was nothing to mess with. It was just soil and roots. It's been outside in the elements, it's been in the rain, it's been in the wind, it's been in the snow even here recently. I didn't even think to bring it in because it was just dirty roots. But it started to break through the dirt. Not the same stems, whole new plant emerging from those roots. And as I watched this plant grow so quickly now, I realized the timing of it all. It couldn't grow because it wasn't time to grow. It had to die off. Everything had to be pruned back. It had to start all over. And I looked at that plant like, that's been me. There's been so many times that I got cut off completely and I had to grow and figure out who I was, who I am. Who am I? I'm not just a wife of Jeron. I'm not just a mom to Zoe and Zachary and Zeta and Zion. I am still Cammie. I still love to write. I still am wanting to finish my book that I've been working on. I still have a goal to achieve. But there's something down in that root system that I still need to break off. And some of it is hard to admit because you think as a grown individual, you'd be over something from the childhood, but it's not always the case. Sometimes we bury that so deep down in our root system that we squash it so it won't grow. Because if people don't see it's there, they won't know that we really are still stuck in the last place we were hurt in that area. And one of those places for me If I'm being honest with myself, 
is me writing this book. I started telling the kids bedtime stories and the bedtime stories got their attention. Their big old eyes would, what happened next? And I'm like, I don't know. We'll wait till tomorrow. And from these bedtime stories birthed this book that I started. Then it birthed an idea of the one school, one book. That is what I want. That my book will be good enough to be presented to the, some of the schools that my kids went to and that we could go in there and read a chapter to them and let them know that this started with just a bedtime story. And don't stop with your dreams because it seems too big or it seems too grand because if God gave you the story, if God gave you the dream, he can bring it into fruition. And I'm speaking to myself on this one because I have some big dreams that even scare me. And I've always heard that's the best kind of dreams to have. But at the same time, when you have locked away some things you don't want others to see, it's a hard one to realize. Because a lot of my dreams have money attached to it. How do I do this when I don't have that? How do I do this if I only have this? See, I learned at a very young age how to rob Peter to pay Paul. When I was a child, I had an allowance of $10 every two weeks. I was responsible to pay for my school lunches. They were $12.50. And I remember that so specifically because I would have to go a week, hold on to that money for the next pay time to borrow that $2.50 so then I could pay for my school lunches or I'd be hungry at school time. So I learned a very bad relationship with money as a child. My older sisters got $15 every two weeks. And I remember my mom told me, well, if you need more money, you need to go talk to your grandfather who was giving me the allowance. And I was so nervous to tell him that I too needed a raise. And I had to go to my grandfather and tell him, I really need more money because my lunches are $12.50, but I only get paid $10 every two weeks and it's not enough money and I can't keep up. I started struggling at a very young age with a bad relationship with money. So here I am all these years later and I still have a bad relationship with money because that's one of those seeds deep down in me that I didn't even realize was buried. But God is trying to pull that out and say, I can still fix it. Being vulnerable and being honest and telling my truth is kind of scary as well. Because I know when I tell my side of the story, it may not feel good to other people hearing it. But that is what has silenced me for so many years, is the fear of other people's reaction to my truth. So I remain quiet. I don't speak up. I don't speak out. I didn't tell anybody about 
my hardship with money and this false ideology that I had with money because I was afraid it was going to hurt people's feelings. So I stay quiet. I don't say anything at all. God literally, even as I'm talking now, is trying to pull that up out, that bad seed that I have of money and trying to pull it up out of me from my childhood and remove it so that I can have a new perspective and a new relationship and a new mindset when it comes to money. Because when you learn at a young age how to rob Peter and pay Paul and how to float a check, because I can even remember going to the grocery store with my parents and they didn't get paid till Friday, but they would write the check on Wednesday and they were like, oh, it won't clear till this day, so we should be okay. Because we had to eat. So I learned at a very young age how money can be a two-edged sword. Then as I became an adult, I saw a different side of money that I didn't like just as much as I didn't like the poverty mindset. I didn't like the other mindset of being frivolous with the money that you have been blessed with. I saw people misusing and abusing the money that they were blessed with, spending it on designer clothes, designer bags, designer cars. Meanwhile, there's people out there that are robbing Peter to pay Paul and they have this bad idea of what money is, but you are frivolously out there just squandering it and there's nobody teaching people the right way. You got the Dave Ramsey's telling, don't have debt, don't have debt, don't have debt. Then you got the Grant Calhouns that are saying, use debt, use debt, use debt. And then there's people like me that are ready to scream because we're like, I don't know what to do. I didn't hear people say, well, it's just money. Yes, it is. But it's a relationship with money that started at a young age or started at an older age. It's that money that wrapped around their finger. It's the feeling of the paper going out of their hands, counting it as fast as they could. The sound of thumbing through all the bills. It's the bragging of my credit score is this and I have that. It's the love of the money. But it's the lack of the help with the money. It's the lack of teaching us how to use it correctly. It's you better tithe this and you better put it here. You better put it in the storehouse. But then what about my time? Is my time not valuable too? So I've had a bad relationship with money. I know I can't be the only one. I probably should have been on free lunches, but my grandfather was a 
blessing and giving us an allowance to keep us from that. Any more days, there's free lunches everywhere you go because it gets expensive and the taxpayer dollars start to pay for it. And and I think back to the struggle I had as a kid and I'm so thankful that my children aren't going to have that same struggle, that it stops with me, that I break that chain off of me, off of my generation, off my lineage in the mighty name of Jesus, that my children shall have a sound mind when it comes to money, a sound relationship when it comes to money. They won't be greedy and stingy, but they will be loving and giving and they will have self-control. They won't overindulge in things of this world, but they will want to be a giver because that's what God called them to be. They will do things because God asked them to do it, not because man told them to do it. They will have an ear for what God says to do with what they have because that's what God has shown them. That because of what we've been through as a family and how we got to where we're at, they have seen how the relationship with money has changed. We didn't just get here in this house because everything was wonderful and perfect. It's quite the opposite. Everything was going to hell in a handbasket and we needed a place to live. And because of that bad relationship with money, I made some bad decisions very early on with credit. Racking up credit card bills, letting people know what a good credit score I did have, trying to prove to others that I was valued. I wanted man's approval. I was working in a restaurant and a girl that I worked with needed a cell phone and I said I'd put it in my name for her and I knew better. Her friend runs my credit and he says, you have no credit, that's worse than having bad credit. And I said, how could that be? I've got this credit card with this limit. I got this credit card with this limit. I got this, 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 and this. But what they did is they actually lied and still used my credit. She racked up almost a $900 cell phone bill that I got stuck with. get a call from the company telling me I needed to pay it off right then and there. And I was 18 years old. Barely out of high school. They said, you've got this limit on your credit card, put it on the credit card. So I did because that's what I was told to do. Because I had a bad relationship with money. I made some bad decisions very early on. I remember going to the gas station with a friend of mine and I put my credit card in and I started pumping the gas and it stopped at $2.74. And my friend was laughing so hard she was ready to pee her pants because she was like, how is your card maxed out? How do you only have $2.74 on this card? I don't know. She's like, did you pay the bill? And I was like, 
I have to pay the bill? I had a bad relationship with money. I thought it was just... It was good. I could use the limit till whenever. She's like, no, you gotta pay off the bill. Well, that's no fun. I didn't want to do that. That was my hard-earned money. I just wanted to swipe the card and go. I wasn't ready for the huge bombshell of a bill that was going to come with my name on it. And the interest rate attached. Here they see this college student come in and they're like, oh, yes, we've got you exactly where we want you. Naive, stupid, and ready to pay whatever we say. And I did. All because I had a bad relationship with money. I'm so thankful for God showing me this so that I can prune that bad relationship out and I can grow a good seed relationship with money. Because I love giving. I love giving gifts. I love giving but when you have a bad relationship with money, there's always a dollar attached to the gift. There's always a price tag of what you did for that gift. Whether it was you made it or you paid for it. And we have to be so careful that we don't attach a price tag to our gifts because Jesus, when he got on that cross, he paid it all with no price tag for us. All we have to do is just come to him and lay it all down. There is no price tag to pay for Jesus's love. There's no price tag to pay to get into the gates of heaven other than, Father, forgive me. I know not what I do. I believe in you, come live within me. Forgive me of my sins. I know you are the son of God, that you are the one true Messiah. Come and live in me. That's not a price. That's just an invitation. Jesus paid the ultimate price and then gives us an open invitation. truly incredible that God loves us so much he didn't put a price tag on his love for us he just gave us an invitation if you're struggling with something today just know you're not alone. You're not alone. If you're feeling the weight of the world on your shoulders, 
from something in your childhood, something that keeps triggering you, no, you are not alone. That Jesus is right here with you. Even when we push back, he stays and he remains waiting until we are ready to receive that invitation. Even when we have a bad relationship with other things and people, when we push everything else away, when we push even ourselves away, we still remain. I love how God will teach me Something simple as a plant. Having to cut it all back to get to the true beauty of it all. And to think the plant's just a baby plant right now. It hasn't even fully grown to start producing the flowers. And I can't wait to see what flowers are produced within you and within me. I hope this has blessed you. I hope this has encouraged you. I hope you have learned something because I don't know if this was for anybody else or if God just needed me to dig deep down and get inside my own potted soil and get rid of some dirt and get rid of some of that stuff and find that seed of a bad relationship with money and uproot it. So I thank you for joining me today. I hope this has encouraged you. I pray you are blessed. Share this with your friends and family because you never know who may just need to hear this message. Blessings to you. Thank you so much for taking the time out and growing with me right here on the Salted Anchor. I'm Kami Smith. God bless.